Subcutanean. This is a novel that changes for every new reader. No two copies are ever quite the same. This podcast is an unabridged recording of the version generated by Seed 01893. Chapter 17 The room below was a bathroom, lined in tile, orange in the light of my glow stick, but probably a pale Easter yellow. Chromium sink fixtures and a frosted glass shower reflected fiery light back to me. In contrast to the other flooded chambers, there was no mold, no algae, no water damage. It might have been flooded seconds before. I didn't pause to wonder about this, but kicked off through the open door, following the guide rope, which led onwards, just like Nico had said. I focused on my strokes, old swimming lessons coming back. This was a different sort of lane, of course. The floor, brown carpet, plaster of Paris above my head instead of the shimmering boundary of the air. And the wounded leg slowed me down. It hurt every time I kicked. But I wasn't worried, not yet. I had good lungs. I could swim for a while. The rope turned a corner into a large, unfurnished room with a half-dozen washers and dryers piled in a corner. I swam past them, mechanical, calm, following the rope through an open doorway opposite. Through the door was what looked like a small porch or mudroom. Boots and shoes tumbled weightless in the water. The rope stopped here, tied to a capped metal pipe. The opposite wall was a sliding glass patio door. The airlock. Through the glass it was dark. All I could see was my own red reflection holding the glow stick. Seeing myself floating there, a hit of adrenaline coursed through me. How much air was left in my lungs? More than half what I'd started with? Doubt flooded into me. This is crazy. I can't do this. I forced the thought from my mind, replaced it with, just hurry, hurry and get it over with. I slid the glass door open and forced myself into the black water beyond. The ground dropped off on the door's other side, and there was no ceiling either. Everything was dark. As I swam past the threshold, something changed. The water cooled. The pressure and ambient sounds in my ears shifted. I could see the vague outlines of another sliding door just ahead of me. But it seemed, too, as if I floated in a cavernous space, a space beyond a measuring, the other door impossibly distant. Disoriented, I turned around to shut the one I'd come through, remembering they couldn't both be open at once. And as I did, another shock of change swept through me, crystallizing into something immense, yawning, terrorful. I remembered the spring Elder Nico had spoken of, this stream, deep at the roots of this place, a spring that split and split and split again, endless. I felt possibilities branching in the water around me, but even more in the waters inside me, in the part of me inside the waters. Branching, expanding, growing like mold in a petri dish, but spilling out of the dish now, spreading through the lab, into the walls, the world. A looking glass held. And it was as if I was the mold, the spring, an effervescent source spilling out at infinite variation. Branches branching and branched again into an unfillable space, filling it. Boundless, multiplied, multiplicious. Slowed by dream syrup, fighting odd stupor from these whispers of immensity, I turned my back on that powerful water at the center, pulled the glass door shut, staring numbly as it slid implacable down its track. In the last second before the door clicked shut and my glow stick guttered out, I saw something reflected in the glass. There were people floating behind me. They drifted in that immense and empty space, lit gangrenous orange by the light of my glow stick. Three of them, all with my body, my clothes, my face. Their wide-open eyes, my eyes, were fixed on me as they floated gently forward, converging. Their grasping hands reached out for me, and then the door clicked shut, and everything went black. I screamed, bubbles of precious oxygen exploding from my mouth. I yanked frantically on the door, but it wouldn't budge. 
I clawed at it, slammed my fist against the glass. The darkness was absolute, thickened by the potent water into a solid, crushing thing. The door wouldn't open, and they were right behind me. They were coming. They were going to get me, and I twisted wildly pressed hands to the glass behind me, trying to guess their position, but it was hopeless. I couldn't see. I'd squandered my air. Hands would close around my neck, my face, and I'd scream again one last time and drown, thrashing in pain and terror and darkness, alone. No. Anger pierced through fear. Maybe I had issues, and maybe I'd made mistakes, and maybe I even deserved this, to be strangled by my own soulless doppelgangers in a shitty basement apartment with delusions of grandeur. But I didn't want to die, and being alone had nothing to do with it. I wasn't going to let this happen to me, just because Dad would never be back to tuck me in, just because I'd never hear Nico's laugh again and he wouldn't be there next time to save my ass. None of that mattered. I was still here. I was still alive. For now. Think. They'd been coming from three angles, two above and one below. In the middle, there'd been a gap. Gripping my panic by the neck before it ran wild, snarling like a cornered animal, I put my feet against the glass door behind me and pushed off hard, as hard as I could. The pain in my wounded calf went white-hot, but I barely noticed it. I shot straight forward, intent, threading the gap like a needle, right through the center of the things closing in. I hoped. Something brushed my leg. I kicked forward, pulled water with cupped hands and all the strength I had. Two fingertips bounced off my forehead, trailed through my hair but I was moving too fast for them. I was through. I was past them. I'd fucking done it. I surged forward, swimming hard, a savage rictus of victory splitting my face. And then with a crunch and flash of pain, I slammed face first into something hard and smooth. Glass. The door on the opposite side. Seeing stars, tasting blood, I scrabbled for the handle, but I couldn't find it. My hand slid off smooth glass in every direction. I smeared them across it frantically, up, down, side to side, kicking out with my feet. Conscious every second of those things behind me, turning, drifting back towards me, closing in. Of the air in my lungs running low, running out. There, the handle. I pulled it sideways, and as the door slid open in its groove, my glow stick came back on, the most glorious shade of orange you could possibly imagine. I kicked forward into the other anteroom and pulled the door shut behind me, not looking back. There was no sign of the things, the looky-loos, the echoes, whatever they were. I'd escaped them. My face throbbed with a sharp, spreading pain but I had a bigger problem. In fact, with lightheaded desperation, I realized I was in deep, deep shit. My air was almost gone. I'd lost some panicking, and my muscles burned through the rest as I shot myself through the airlock. An urge to breathe was taking hold of me, a tingling thrum running through my body as cells clamored for air. My lungs were empty. I couldn't swim again the distance I'd come, either forward or back. Ahead of me, down the mirror tunnel toward the other hatch, the other junction room, a glowing orange light burned, slowly brightening, the reflected light from another orange glow stick. I watched myself swim into the room, holding it. Amidst all the panic, horror, and desperation, I hadn't noticed the wrongness creep up on me, but now I realized that sick feeling had been there all along, getting stronger, flavoring my more pressing concerns. This wasn't one of the things I realized. It was me, my double from the other side. We were passing each other as planned, but the plan had failed. We stared at each other and both realized I wasn't going to make it. Blood diffused from my nose in billowing red clouds. The cut on my leg burned a deep, dangerous ache. My torn fingernails stung where I'd clawed at the door. I was damaged, flawed, the worse-off copy. Looking at him, unharmed, whole, I accepted that I was about to die. It was surprisingly easy. He tilted his head, studying me. 
as if considering something, or trying to see me, really see me, like I'd tried so many times to see Nico. Do it, I thought. I'm too broken to make it. Go back, or go forward. Just go. Live. Be the one who lives. His expression changed just a little, and then he launched himself at me. At once the sense of wrongness spiked as of approaching some exponential maxima. His face winced at this in exact sympathy with mine, but he didn't pull up, slow down. Instead he crashed right into me, hard. Tumbling, he wrapped his arms around me, held me, did the last thing I'd ever have expected. He pushed his mouth to mine and flooded my lungs with his air. The wrongness had reached an unbearable threshold, but as his lips touched mine the sensation exploded outward, like magnets pushed against repelling poles till they slip from your fingers, flip around, snap into place. The water quivered around us, the room groaned, launching wet clouds of mud from splintering lintels, sending subsonic shockwaves shuddering through us. His breath flowed into me. I couldn't think, let alone protest or react. Boots tumbled around us, long laces waving like antenna. I remember that. And then he was empty, and I was full. He pulled back, blinked, smiled a smile I knew from the mirror. It meant, oh well, what you gonna do? He'd picked me. A huge rumbling crack broke over the growing crescendo of rumbles and groans, and we both looked up. The ceiling had split in a long, ugly scar, but the room wasn't collapsing on us. The split filled in almost immediately with new plaster, just as another differently angled split bisected it, which also instantly filled. The room was getting bigger. My double grabbed my elbow, pushed me toward the hall he'd come in through, the way to the hatch to the other world, my world. And I started to swim. I shouldn't have. I should have thanked him. I should have given back half his air or dragged him after me, found some way to save him. I should have died. But I didn't. I swam. I swam with everything I had left. He'd made a mistake, bet on the wrong horse. But I wouldn't forget it. I wouldn't forget him. All around me the architecture was groaning, flexing like something waking up. Plaster dust pillowed into the flooded hall in thick, weightless clouds as the walls split and reformed, split and reformed, like bones breaking and healing and rebreaking, growing fractionally longer each time. I swam past a crack that didn't fill in but puckered into a new doorway, a flap of wallpaper lengthening and hardening into door. New doorways were spawning all around me, new pits gaped open in the floor. I ignored it all. I swam. I swam for my fucking life. The guide rope, taut as a bowstring, snapped, whipping past my face as its two endpoints pulled away from each other. It didn't matter. I knew the way. I swam into the Easter tile bathroom, shiny new sinks sprouting on the floor, on the ceiling, the toilet multiplying and splitting in porcelain osmosis, someone's pretentious art project. I swam up to the ceiling, already much higher than a bathroom ceiling should be, put my hands on the wheel of the hatch, and turned. It didn't budge. The groaning rumbles of hell surrounded me. My body was once again starting to tingle as my second lungful of air reached its end. My face throbbed horribly and my leg was on fire, and the wheel wouldn't turn. I pounded on the hatch, screaming in fury, the sound utterly lost in the cacophonous eruption of architecture beneath me. I braced myself, gripped the wheel so hard I thought my knuckles would pop, pulled on it with everything I had. Then I tried turning it the other direction, and the wheel spun. I yanked it around, then forced myself up against the hatch, lungs burning, kicking hard, and pushed and swung it up and open, and then I was through, breaking through the surface. I breathed, huge and deep. Then I coughed, 
Clutching the sides of the hatch, I coughed, blinked, tried to take stock of this new hexagonal room. A huge crack had opened in the floor, and all the water had drained out. The groaning and clanging was sharper up here out of the water, but mostly coming from beneath. I pulled myself up out of the raised pillar and tumbled to the bucking ground, wiped blood from my face. I was gasping, coughing, bleeding, hurting, panicking, and also, somehow, living, deservedly or not. Piled to one side of the hatchway were a pair of shoes and a dry, folded t-shirt. An ear-splitting crack rang off the walls. Bricks fell from the ceiling in a deadly shower, landing a dozen feet away. I grabbed the shirt and pulled it on over my wet torso, slipped the shoes over numb and wrinkled feet. The ground heaved beneath me like the back of a whale taking a colossal breath before diving deep, and as it did it swallowed up the bricks, incorporated them neatly into itself like a child's plastic puzzle pieces falling into matching slots. The floor of the bathroom through the open hatch was gone. Tile walls descended, vanishing into darkness. They were splitting and rejoining like some fractal screensaver, an optical illusion in constant motion from the corner of your eye but damnably still if you looked right at it. Something was broken. Something had diverged too far. There were too many possibilities and they couldn't all fit. They needed more room. Time, I decided, to get the hell out. With a great belching snap, the floor punctured upwards and a spout of cloudy water billowed up. Another spout exploded from the other side of the room. I picked one of the circular tunnels and started running down it as fast as I could on my hobbled leg, while behind me the depths of downstairs sloughed and squirmed into new permutations, unseen. I was too busy living to look back. I hope you're enjoying this audio version of Subcutanean, but this is just one way the story could go. Find out how to get your own unique version by searching for Subcutanean on Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, or Indiegogo. And thanks for listening.